Welcome to the Calvary St. George's Sermon Podcast, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ and Him crucified. These podcasts are recorded and produced by the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. For more information, head to calvarystgeorges.org. Well, very warm welcome to you to St. George's this evening uh, here in the upper room. This is uh, Maundy Thursday, and uh, this is the first of three extremely, extremely important worship services in the Christian year, known as the Tritum. And tonight, we gather to recall our Lord's institution of the Sacrament of Holy Communion. On Monday and Tuesday, though, many of our Jewish friends celebrated Seder meals across the city and across the world, where uh, they remembered the Passover. Israel's deliverance from slavery in Egypt. At this meal, they follow a service entitled the Haggadah, uh, which recounts the story of deliverance found in Exodus that we read today in our reading and in the book of Deuteronomy. And at this meal, there's a lot of symbolism going on, and there's a lot of things happening. But at this meal, at a Seder meal, you'll find unleavened bread, which commemorates their affliction and their rushed walk from slavery into the freedom and life. They eat at this meal bitter herbs, which reminds them of their slavery and the bitterness of slavery. And these bitter herbs are oftentimes dipped into a dish of salty water to remind them of their tears. And there, one part of the main course is a roasted lamb, which reminds them that where the blood of the lamb was smeared, Death passed over them. Where the blood of the lamb was smeared, the firstborn was spared. For the lamb stood in the place of all the firstborns of Israel. I remember a couple of years back, I was invited to my first official Seder. And I was invited to attend with another Gentile who... uh, told me I've been to tons of these. I was like, I've never been to one. What do we do? I was a little nervous and didn't want to mess up. And he was like, just follow my lead. He was like, follow my lead. I've got it. And so he supposedly knew what he was doing. And so there we are. And there's a couple of different parts of this service. If you've ever been to one, there's one part where they wash the hands of the rabbi and the cantor and everybody. And anyway, out comes this plate of food with the herbs and the egg and all of that on it and the the bitter herbs. And then there was this dish filled with water. And uh, the guy next to me who I went with, he immediately stuck his hands in the water. And then he passed it to me. And I stuck my hands in the water. And then I passed it to the person next to me who was one of the hosts. And they looked at me in total shock because that wasn't the water you were supposed to wash your hands in. That was the water you were supposed to dip the herbs in to eat. So anyway, um, they like the lady was like, thank you. And she took it back. I've always wondered why I haven't been invited back to that Seder meal. But anyway... Um, uh, you know, there it is. But this is my first point, and, and a lot of kind of the symbolism of the gospel comes right out of Exodus. But the Passover is the central celebration for the Jewish people. And it's their defining moment as a people, if you will. When they're joined together with all of Israel, the present and the past, you have the religious and the secular, to be united with their forefathers and remember that the walk to freedom always comes by blood. As one rabbi at another Seder I once attended, he put it, we are reminded that while a people we walk in freedom, freedom always comes at a cost. So you have this imagery of the Exodus, and it's used throughout the gospel. 
I mean, Matthew technically could be the next chapter of the book of Exodus, the fulfillment of the whole thing. For example, you start with Jesus' ministry right there on the banks of the Jordan River. And it is no coincidence at his baptism, he is announced by John the Baptist as what? Not just, hey, any old animal, but behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Not just Israel, but the world. And this imagery of the Exodus, especially in Matthew's Gospel, continues and is heightened at the Last Supper. Jesus takes all of these themes from this meal, and he ties them not only to himself, but he takes all these themes from this meal, and he ties it specifically to his body and his blood. He takes the hard, dry bread of affliction, this unleavened bread, it's unleavened by sin, especially the leaven of Adam's original sin. And he takes it and he breaks it. And he gives it to his disciples. He says, take, eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Their minds must have been blown at this moment. What in God's name are we involved in? Then the Lamb of God, he takes the wine, the fruit of the vine, that which brings cheer in our sorrows, as they say. And he ties it with something that, as we read in the book of Exodus, is verboten. It's a huge no-no for Jews to consume. Nobody was eating their lamb medium rare. No, he ties it in. The blood of the lamb, you're not allowed to consume the blood. And in this act, Jesus is doing something profound. He's connecting the lamb to their body. He's connecting his body to their body. He's connecting his death to theirs and their death to his. This holy meal is important because it uniquely connects us to Christ as well. Therefore, we join our voices with angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven. Not just past, present, but this age and the age that is to come. This meal connects you to freedom also. And as the rabbi said, reminding you that freedom is a gift that always comes with a cost. However, what this meal says is it takes it a step further and it says that the cost has been paid entirely by Jesus. It's been paid for you. I found that the great doctor of the church, St. Augustine, of Hippo, in a sermon he gave in the year 411, most helpful in understanding what we're talking about when we're talking about the Lord's Supper, when we're talking about the bread that is his body and the wine that is his blood. And St. Augustine, he preached to new Christians. He had a group of new Christians, catech catechesis. He's teaching them. And he says, I promised you in the sermon, he goes, I promised you new Christians who have now been baptized, a sermon in which I would explain the sacrament of the Lord's table. That bread which you see on the table, having been sanctified by the word of God, is the body of Christ. That chalice, or rather what is in the chalice, 
having been sanctified by the word of God, is the blood of Christ. What you see is the bread. What you see is the chalice. That is what your own eyes report to you. But faith obliges us to accept and receive that the bread is the body of Christ and the chalice is the blood of Christ. And most people love this part of the sermon, but he says, this has been said very briefly, which may perhaps be sufficient for faith. We don't get into the details of how it happens. None of that. It's bread and it's wine. Received by faith connects us to something bigger, something greater. And we are invited tonight, one of the things of Maundy Thursday, is that we are invited tonight to receive and consider afresh that God actually works in ordinary things, things outside of you. That God actually operates in bread and in wine and in word that you hear preached. God demonstrates his immeasurable kindness towards sinners in these regular old things. That in ordinary bread and in ordinary wine, we are brought into remembrance tonight that we all live off of the death of another. That in ordinary bread and in ordinary wine, we celebrate not just a new, we celebrate not just a greater, but we celebrate tonight a fulfilled Passover. A Passover that sends us out of not just the slavery of Egypt, but the slavery of sin the slavery of death, and the slavery of the grave. That's what we come up and we celebrate tonight. And this is my second point. As the Jews eat a Passover lamb, so we as the church feed on the Passover lamb. The lamb of God who was slain and yet lives again for you and me and our justification. As Jesus says, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. But whoever eats of my flesh and drinks of my blood has eternal life, and I will raise them up on the last day. And so we come tonight, on this Monday Thursday, we come to this table tonight to be nourished. And in that nourishment, what happens is that the Holy Spirit breaks in and he opens the eyes of our hearts. He enlarges our horizons to be pulled up outside of ourselves and see with our hearts Christ, to see with our hearts our neighbors more clearly. This is how it works. Love others as I have loved you. It doesn't happen on its own. It happens because he's first loved us. And this pulls us up outside of ourselves. 
and we belong, and we begin to see that we belong to something greater than ourselves. We belong to the church, a family of God that goes way before us, all the way into the Old Testament as well. That story is now our story, and it goes on way after us until he comes again in glory. And what's very powerful is that we gather around this table and we come to understand that we're a family and we're a family because the same body and the same blood of Christ that goes into me also goes into you. And this binds us together in a unity that transcends all of our petty and secondary issues and unites us beyond death and the grave into eternal life. Gathered around this table, we're given a promise from God. And that promise is is that our unity is first and foremost in Jesus Christ. And as Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. We don't explain that either. We receive it by faith. But connected to that vine then at this table, we are nourished and we're nourished to bear fruit. The fruit of love and self-sacrifice, agape, that is epitomized and embodied by Jesus bending down at the same table where he instituted this supper and washed his disciples' feet, a job reserved for a slave. Isn't it interesting that he's betrayed for 30 pieces of silver? That was the cost of a slave in those days. But this is my third point. And I hope and I pray we see it afresh again tonight. When we gather around this table, that the eyes of our hearts would be truly opened to not only receive the love of Christ, but through that love one another as he has loved us. Think about it. The Lord of all is the servant of all, who comes not to be served, but to serve and to lay his life down. And those who are his disciples, you and me, those who dine with him at this table tonight, you and me, those who eat the bread that is his body and drink the blood that is his drink the wine that is his blood you and me from that same cup are made servants together with him for the sake of each other and for the sake of the world in a shared call in a shared vocation to as saint paul says in our letter proclaim his death the good news of his gospel until he comes again Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast, produced and recorded at the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. If you feel led to support the continuing ministry of the parish, you can make an online donation at calvarystgeorges.org slash giving. Thank you.